welcome to 41E episode 14, we approximate. Um, we are joined by a very special guest, Austin Casso, aka Austin Towers, aka probably more nicknames I have no idea of, formerly of Indiana, but is from and born in New York, and uh, know, through a few, know, know him through a mutual friend, and we've talked a lot about over the years about philosophies and we're excited to be at least recording it in some sort of way and having a new take on life how it's changed since you know come to know each other and um i I don't think evan has ever met austin no this is my my first time having the pleasure austin it's nice to meet you we didn't even really talk before we started recording uh thank you so much for joining us in the fort this is absolutely exciting like greg said um you want to introduce yourself a bit what you do and things like that yeah well first of all thank you for having me on the show and uh thank you evan um it's great to meet you um and thank you greg uh so basically i you know i've had my hands a lot of uh different um entrepreneurial ventures over the years it started in a nonprofit, um and uh, having to do with urban agriculture, uh, building local food systems. Okay. I've always been passionate about that, uh, or I've always been passionate about agriculture, uh, first and foremost. Um, and then I accidentally fell into digital marketing and I, you know, it's, it's funny because I never, um, perceived myself if, you know, if you were to ask me coming out of high school, I was the polar opposite of, you know, or I perceived myself as the polar opposite of a marketer. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that's why I'm good at it because, you know, nobody really likes, um, ingenuine marketing, marketing. you know, intentional, Mm -hmm. like I don't intend, but then it just happened to be that because I'm so passionate about what I do, uh, it, the only solution, the only way to go is by talking about it with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, call it, I guess, I don't know. Um, is that marketing? I mean, I guess up to, I mean, it can be, I mean, obviously, uh, but in, in a lot of ways it isn't, you know, a lot of ways I'm not spending my time, uh, advertising my service, if that makes sense. I'm uh, spending a yeah. lot more time, uh, engaging with people. Yeah. Engaging with people. Um, and marketing, you know, I guess can be a lot of different things. But anyway, that I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. Um, it's okay. Yeah, so that, <laughs> that was with Tower yeah. Gardens. I remember you, you, you. I bought a shirt. It was called Red Giant Union, and you were you were selling uh, Tower Gardens. People who want to get started um, tower growing gardens. vegetables in unconventional places or on the roof. Um, and there were restaurants. Remember you mentioned Indiana, where they were using Tower Gardens for their food and I just remember that being so awesome like wow I can't wait to use this to grow weed (laughs) (laughs) and you know the the funny the transitional point at which my urban agriculture passion uh met into marketing was actually when I got introduced to Tower Gardens and it was Mm -hmm. um during the time that I was actually a telemarketer and it was after I had uh dropped out of uh community college, you know, in Indiana, I went, I moved from New York to Indiana, hoping to um, take a few years at uh, 
Ivy Tech, uh, mm-hmm. and then transfer to Purdue. And uh, Purdue ended up denying me and uh, twice. Um, so I ended up dropping out of Ivy Tech. They didn't seem to have a strong urban agriculture program or, uh, you know, very centered on, um, they weren't very centered on local food at the mm. time. That when, was very early on. When was this? Uh, 2009 to 2012. Okay. Uh, in 2015, I would say is when hydroponics, urban agriculture, indoor farming, all that uh, innovative stuff really um, uh, was intro- introduced at Purdue at a, okay. you know, in a way that I would have been more attracted to it, it, you know, but it wasn't available, you know, when I was going to school. I mean, it's, but anyway, so um, what happened was I was a telemarketer and I was uh, calling a client and uh, this person, you know, just, they heard my pitch, but then they immediately said, you know, uh, do you like your job? And I said, no, uh, they were like, well, you might, you might uh, be better at what we do. And I was like, well, what's that? And uh, she asked for my email um, and I, you know, I gave it to her or no, she, I, I, she gave me her email and I wrote down, I emailed her later that day mm-hmm. uh, asking for more information. And she sent me some links and it happened to be the tower garden. And oh. then I, uh, it's kind of a meteoric rise from there because I suddenly grasped onto this because I was already used to the, the mundane challenge of calling 800 people a day. So I was just like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, uh, wow, that's a lot. you know, message a bunch of people on or connect with a bunch of people on Facebook. It's the same difference to me, but, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't actually to sell the tower garden. What I wanted to do was, well, I was, I demonstrated the t- use of the tower garden by selling it to a local restaurant that I had befriended, uh, the chef, uh, of, and, uh, you know, he, he was really passionate too about, um, far, like just local gardening and, and all that stuff. So his restaurant was surrounded by, uh, flowers and he and was, what, he loved What it. restaurant is that? Oh, uh, that was, ta- that was town and gown bistro in India and in, uh, West Lafayette. Okay, my, my right sister at, actually moved to Indiana recently, so I might I might tell her to hit that up. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And in Bloomington, they have another restaurant called the Runcible Spoon. Cool. And it was uh, uh, rated number one Indiana's coziest uh, restaurant. Very wow. cool. I'll I'll definitely have to send this episode to my sister. She uh, I don't know exactly where in the state she is, so I don't know how close she is to those things, but um. I'll, I'll I'll have to recommend that to her. Right, and he's a real uh, world renowned chef as well. I mean, their mm. their food is amazing and it's affordable. It's not even, uh, you know, he's a very humble guy. You know, very good at what he does, but you know, just really about uh, all about service, creating a com- comfort zone for people. Uh, that's you nice. know, it was a, a really nice environment to have a couple tower gardens. So he bought three and then I campaigned uh, to build a farm and I was more concerned at building my own farm so I could grow, I could plant the seeds, I could grow the food uh, mm-hmm. for local restaurants and for uh, the food banks and uh, just for local grocery stores. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so that campaign grew uh, massively. It, uh, I was in papers. Uh, they were telling my story, um, following my story uh, every few months. I was in the paper um, nice. for six, six years straight, like since two, or from 2014 to about 2019, uh, you know, I, I have articles, uh, written on me every year. So, it, I mean, it was, or it was, uh, fun. And I guess that's how I kind of gained my reputation in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm not, I guess I'm not your stereotypical marketer. Uh, more of a rebel. I came from a grassroots, uh, not giving, you know, two shits about consumerism. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's mission, mission driven, you know, it, it, we're trying to achieve a sustainable future. And I'm trying to do whatever is necessary to achieve that. Hell yeah. I love that. That I mean, that's something that sounds like something I would want to invest in, you know, rather than something that's making clothes using child labor or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, something Absolutely. that is uh, creating sustainable present in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's it it goes more into the whole broader uh, vertical farming um, concept. You know, it's right. you uh, there's many different. Uh, various or you know there's various um models of the tower garden um there's all different you know systems in place uh for vertical farming uh so it's really i was passionate about vertical farming and uh, then around that time i was uh building a facebook group for sustainable living okay uh, the facebook group is called sustainable living and okay. you can look that up at the, I just kind of did it. Um, I didn't know where, how far it would go, what it would become, really. But I kind of had a. This is year of 2014, I think I started it. Um, okay. I was a member then when I had Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I started with it. You know, I just invited a bunch of friends to it, and I just it was a place where I could share a bunch of things that were related to what I was passionate about. Where I could put it all into one place. It seemed like Facebook. Uh, had a nice little setup where, you know, that was convenient Mm. Um, and it could share with other people. It could be a focus group. And I thought, yeah, this could, this could build in an interesting way. Uh, But I wanted to be, you know, from the very get go, all inclusive. Uh, Mm. I didn't want to uh, say like, oh, this is an all vegan group, or this is a a climate change group or this, you know, because sustainable living is a multifaceted uh, multidisciplinary uh, field it's mm-hmm. you know it ranges uh all the way you know from mental health physical health uh economics environmentalism uh, you know sustainability uh takes mer- many shapes uh and you know forms mm-hmm. and it's holistically you know, that's what I was trying to achieve with the group is to try to find, uh, you know, or create a forum that didn't already exist, uh, you know, where people could talk about and expand their minds and, and you know, share their experiences with uh, sustainability and in the same way that, you know, I was trying to 
and um it it kind of you know it was kind of a mostly me and a few other people posting into the group uh for the first few years mm -hmm. and then um in 2019 i think right or no actually the beginning of 2000 at the end of 2019 uh, is when it actually grew from about 6000 members to uh you know it it just shot up to about 20000 members in in a few months mm. and then it was next thing i knew it was 40000 then it was 60000 and now it is you know over 75000 members um, nice so yeah, i think it says 360000 people follow sustainable living on facebook you could be one of them that's a, a page a different um oh and that's not you oops no that's so that's a page uh and no that where everyone's aware there's different uh sustainable groups on facebook all uh but ours is is particularly unique um and because of the engagement um so the page that you you just mentioned, uh, they they try to they're a particular company. They sell their own products. Um, it's and a they're... group. It's a group, not a page. Okay, right. I had to go over on the left on Facebook there because it was only giving me like an ad, and that that page that was wrong. Uh, but if you search sustainable living and go to groups, it's got seventy five thousand members. You said yes. Yep. Now, now it's right at the top. Okay, I'm with you. By Austin Casso. Beautiful. Yep. And uh, yeah, we yeah we are the first one that shows up when when people search sustainable living. Uh, we're recommended by Facebook, um, or you know we show up to people with interests in sustainability. Uh, so and then on top of that, we were recently chosen by uh, Facebook directly uh, to be featured. Uh, as part of their more together campaign cool and uh, so that's a campaign where they feature impactful groups um that really you know because facebook is actually becoming more group centric mm -hmm. and uh, i think that's kind of a trend that people are starting to catch on to they're realizing that the uh, a lot of the poll a lot of the attraction of facebook is the way groups are set up mm -hmm. and um it's also, yeah, the reach, the engagement is far greater uh, than just having a regular uh, page or, um, you know, just your own personal page. Um, and so people are starting groups or they're joining groups um, for various reasons. Uh, mm. It's also becoming a, a hot playing field for uh, digital marketing agencies and just people who want to advertise their companies in general, who want to focus on a niche market. And uh, it's proven um, a lot of marketers now are preferring to market in niche audience, uh, Facebook groups wh where permissible. Um, cause you know, I mean, we don't just allow free promotion. We don't, cause that's, it ends up being spam. A lot of people just want to share their links and, you know, um, and Facebook they, chooses who who sees your page. Still, you, you you're allowing Facebook to choose who sees your page. After all, it's public, so anyone can find it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, basically, people 
who are the 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 idea is that people who are interested in that topic, uh, you know, it's a niche audience. So they they you know, it's not Facebook that's well, yeah, Facebook is showing us to them, and then they're joining the group, and then we're, you know, essentially it's it's a niche audience where people can market uh, more effectively. Yeah, uh, you know, if they have a, um, you know, if you have an eco friendly product, um, you know, signing up with our service where we will, uh, you know, do brand collabs and, and promote, uh, you know, a sustainable brand in our group, uh, that actually works out a lot better for them than, uh, a typical Facebook ad, mm. uh, for your average person. I mean, I, there's, um, I think to a degree, if you have a lot of money and you have the right, you know, people involved, uh, who are experienced with, SEO and target marketing and, and all sorts of things. I'm sure you can uh, create a pretty good uh, marketing campaign with a regular Facebook ad, but mm -hmm. most people don't really know how to do that. And especially in sustainability where you have a lot of, um, you know, people who really aren't, you know, focused on marketing, they're focused on, you know, things that they're more passionate about uh, that, you know, have less to do with, um, that kind of, that aspect of technology and, and things. So they, you know, I mean, uh, you know, so they're relying, they're the small guys, the small businesses, mm -hmm. you know, and they, they're out competed by the people with money and, you know, and, and so, but with Facebook groups, we give them a new edge, you know, uh, they can reach a far greater audience, uh, for a lot cheaper than a Facebook ad, um, you know, with brand collabs that, Facebook has now introduced with uh, groups as well, because I think Facebook is, is also realizing that uh, marketing is more attractive to Facebook groups. They want to do it in a way that um, is more uh, systematic or more structured. Yeah, streamlined. Uh, yeah, and so that's why they introduced uh, this thing called brand collabs that is uh, available for groups to monetize groups. Hmm. Um, so that, you know, I, we opened up a brand clubs page, but, uh, we, you know, it's, we use our, our service though, is called uh, streamer. Um, uh, it's, it started, I should say, we started it as calling it streamer as far, as far as the, uh, service where we offer digital marketing, um, features, you know, where we feature uh, sustainable businesses, blogs, YouTube channels, uh, podcasts, you know, even this one, uh, because we're talking about sustainability. Hell yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing is I, I, I wanted to put it all in one place. So I didn't want to just put it in the group. I thought to also create a directory, uh, that I called streamer.com. Okay. Uh, however, uh, it's, it's a year, a year old. We've already got about a hundred, uh, businesses in our directory or, uh, maybe 80 businesses or so in our directory or more, uh, it's growing every day. I mean, we're, um, honestly, it's, uh, we've actually been, um, uh, been get, gaining some really good momentum. Excellent. Um, but then there is other things that are, you know, weaknesses in the site that I've been aware of that I want to improve. 
uh, with the user experience, with the branding. Um, and so there's a lot of updates underway. Uh, so a lot of this is coinciding with uh, our Facebook campaign that, you know, like I said, the Facebook chose us to feature our group as part of the More Together campaign. And there, uh, two of our ads already went live. Uh, there are four more ads that are going live uh, in mid-May. Okay. Uh, so around, I guess, May 12th or May 15th uh, is when uh, they'll be available uh, when they're going national. And, and I'm in one of them. I'm uh, talking about greenwashing in one of the ads. Uh, so, um, and then we have group members uh, featured in other ads. Uh, and, you know, so what, uh, but anyway, so I don't want to uh, spoil any you know, spoil alerts or anything, but uh, yeah, no spoilers here. Yeah, Greg. Uh, anyway, so this directory, then um, all these changes that I'm making are are going to happen um, before uh, before then. So I think you know it's important to talk about too, like you know that I'm changing the name from streamer to striver because I okay. thought striver like yeah. strive oh. and it's currently it's at streamer.com sst two oh, s's i tried it like without the second e and that's actually uh that's actually a blockchain <laughs> yep yeah so you know the uh that whole thing <laughs> is just problematic yeah so Here's streamer, like pretend you're a snake. Um, okay, this has got a bunch of plants on it, so this must be it. And you're changing it. Is it going to be striver? No, one is. <laughs> okay, from streamer to striver. And is that with an I or a Y? I. Okay, just making sure. For all the listeners out there, so they know where to go. Right. Uh, so then we're also changing the logo. Uh, I, have a, I have a programmer, uh, working on a few, uh, custom coding things, uh, to improve the, you know, user experience on the website. Cool. Um, make it more user-friendly, uh, make certain things make a little bit more sense that I, you know, couldn't do without, uh, code. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there a lot of this then um, will be ready. Like I said, you know, before our Facebook campaign goes live, uh, and then along with that, uh, we're we're also introduced to a reporter who writes for the S and P Global Market Intelligence, mm. who's going to um, uh, write about uh, Striver. Okay, that's exciting. The S and P five hundred. Yeah. Yeah, they're part of yeah, they're part of the S&P 500. Oh yeah. Very so cool. I see lots of lots of um sustainable practices or products to promote sustainable practices like using water activated shampoos, I mean, um being conscious of plastic. I mean, everything uh so say someone had came to you with an idea like uh, a sustainable idea like I don't know, like creating using your vegetable scraps to create vegetable stock. Uh, and like saving it like uh then you would 
you would just like put that on the like a video or something. It, it's just to, for anyone in the community to share what their sustainable practices are and have a way for other people to participate in similar practices or kind of form their own practices. I mean, everyone can only do you know so much in a day to be more sustainable, but you know it's like building routine, building momentum and. And sharing the yeah. the the means and and ways to do it, you know, like I'm sure there's plenty of people that would fall under the umbrella of wanting to do more things that are sustainable or or more generally just wanting to live in a more sustainable way, but just not aware of the many 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 different ways one can do this, and also it, there's also inspiration. You know, if you if you see someone else doing something cool, you might be inspired to do an even cooler thing. Uh, so getting that, yeah, that it sounds like you're basically Austin, sort of. Um, well, you and and uh, this Facebook group, and also a streamer, soon to be striver, uh, like a conduit between all of these more grassroots, um, maybe less technically adept and certainly not as economically well-supported individuals and groups that are working on sustainable stuff and farming and, and doing sort of the getting their fingers in the dirt, um, connecting them to the resources they need to actually sort of proliferate themselves on the internet. You And because and, they, they lack the resources to do that marketing on their own. Um, and if you're going to be I don't know, trying to make a ton of money on marketing, you probably want to work for uh, CNBC or Google.com or some gigantic company. Uh, so you're uh, uh, providing that very important. I think ultimately this, this, we're never going to prevent the world from destroying us or however you want to look at it if we don't get more people working on it and get more smart people trying to figure this shit out. Um, uniting individual missions. We, we've talked about vertical farms on here. We have an episode called Cow Pyramids. Yeah, and uh, we we sort of spitball about different vertical farm ideas. The... Yeah, like um, hmm. we imagine like a series of platforms that get ever smaller in um, surface area. So, and you could have cows or other livestock on each level and on the edges they could go out and get sunlight natural sunlight rather than being like entirely enclosed and and each concentric square would be smaller so it look it would look sort of like a pyramid interesting so it would uh be a way of indoor cattle farming well yeah, it would be like site large scale sustain like Strictly sustainable farming. Instead of, uh, instead of uh, the way they have, you know, industrial houses where they just, you know, throw them all, you know, all the chickens into one place. Mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about like climate friendly, climate controlled uh, gardens, sort of. Um, sort like of ecosystem, mini I've, ecosystems mini ecosystems like where, where the each the output of each you know part is reapplied in the system yeah i was i was thinking that one of the advantages of doing this way this way is that it doesn't have to be strictly indoors like uh oh, i see 
on the edges, so, so the bottom platform and every platform above it would have maybe a barrier on the edge so the cows can't walk off or the chickens can't walk off. But if they go to, the, but the air, the, the natural air that's outside that, you know, helps them build their immune system and all that fun stuff that air does for you would be flowing in and, and they could get natural, actual sunlight from the natural, actual sun by going to the edge if they feel like it. And if they don't want sunlight, then they can go into the shady spot. And then, and in my imagination, the whole sort of floor is like grass or if it's chickens, whatever chickens like to walk on dirt, I guess. Um, but it would, it, it would be allowing air and light in. It wouldn't really be indoors, but you would have a roof in case it was raining. So let's say it started raining, all of the organisms could go towards the the center, the center pillar, and get hmm. shelter from the rain. Interesting. I imagine these structures would be pretty large. Yeah, I, the, uh, you, you yeah. get more out of it the bigger you make it, right? And, yeah, and It is just vert, one strip yeah. of land, you know, you can just do one thing. or You, you get lots of land. So it's just yeah. applying the vertical farming concepts to... Uh, Livestock. Exactly. Yeah, livestock. It doesn't seem getting Vertical people to stop, stop eating beef and getting people to stop eating cheese seems like maybe unrealistic. So uh, rather than trying to keep convincing people to do that, we might just need to innovate a different sustainable way to get their beef. Uh, have you ever seen Cowspiracy? I, you know, I think I saw it when it first came out, but that was so long ago. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I do give some credit to a lot of these documentaries, but at the same time, you know, I don't focus all my energy on them. Uh, yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I have a pretty good understanding of what the issues are, but, you know, I don't know everything, but, I, you know, I kind of try to not settle on extremes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for instance, I didn't start the sustainable living group with, with an extreme definition of, you know, how everybody has to be a certain way or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, said, so bring your ideas, you know, we, this is an open forum an open discussion forum. And so like what you're, what you're talking about, um, you know, we're friendly to, uh, sustainable meat, sustainable livestock, we're uh, friendly to, uh, sustainable, uh, veganism. Uh, we're, you know, friendly to, just about anybody who cares about making an impact, you know, um, mm -hmm. they're just doing things that help their quality of life and, and their sustainability, uh, you know, uh, that works for them. So, um, you know, that, that's what you're talking about. You know, that'd be a great thing to even just talk about in our group, bring it up. <laughs> I'll have to do that. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, you know, just continuing to think about new, new ways to roll with the punches because environmentally, you know, we really don't know what we're exactly what we're going to face over the next 50 years. In fact, global warming, you know, is real. It's having immediate effects on our environment and, um, yeah, uh, just plan always planning, planning ahead. I mean, if we think back, I mean, I think of immediately, like Nikolai Tesla, I think of, uh, his work with, you know, making free energy available to everyone. You know, mm -hmm. and how it was squashed by, by Edison and the big power companies who wanted to, you know, profit off it. 
and you know that still dominates how everything is built, the infrastructure today, and um, just like you know, grocery stores only having certain certain things available based on government limited sanction on trade, and um, you know, it's like just having your own way to produce is is like carving your own your your own sense of safety and uh, security. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. The technology now, you know, as we're pushing, you know, with electric cars and solar panels, um, it's pretty much limitless what we're, what we're going to be able to do. 3D printing on site and, uh, CDC machines and really just bring into actually like physical objects. Um, mm-hmm. it's going to be really cool. Like, yeah, Burning Man is going to get <laughs> cooler and cooler every year. That's, you know, I think that's the, uh, so if you think about it, you know, for instance, you can go to Walmart or Amazon.com even and, and search eco-friendly products, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then, you know, what shows up? It, one, you know, you have a lot of greenwashing. You know, how do you identify that? How do you um, figure out, you know, who are, you know, what is sustainable? What isn't? What's pretending to be sustainable? How do I know what is sustainable? And that's um, that's green. I've never heard the phrase greenwashing before, but I'm inferring that it, it means that they sort of are making it seem like it's sustainable, but in reality, it isn't. Is that more or less? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Applying a green tag on things. Some green yeah, makeup. But, green it, eggs yeah. and ham. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and, uh, it can, you know, has. People do it in various ways, you know, and they try to be clever about it. Um, but yeah, and some people really believe that what they're doing is sustainable or they're they were convinced by the market that what they're doing is sustainable. And so they're just buying into it and they're just like, yeah, yeah, the consumer, you, you if you don't know any better, you just as far as you know, you're doing a good thing. You know, it's a, that's pretty tough to solve because there's so much money to be made off of just and a lot of people, people too and a lot of people too rely on trends mm-hmm. and the biggest trendsetters typically are are the people who are out to make the most profit um and they're most likely not going to be your uh, most sustainable option exactly. uh, but i mean that you know like i said it's just you know it could be it, it could be the opposite, you know, they, it could be a very reputable, you know, supplier, very good business, uh, does very good marketing has very good clientele, you know, and they are sustainable and people trust them and they are a trend and they're a big trendsetter, you know? And so there's a lot of influencers too, that are genuine. Um, but that's then, then there's the struggle. How do you, where, where do people find all these people? Where do people, how do people know what blogs to read or what new, uh, you know, person is doing a Ted talk on sustainability? You know, they could search YouTube, but how do they know what to search? Mm. Um, so the idea of Striver was to put all this stuff in one place, uh, assisted by the Facebook group, how it, you know, we have all these people already all these influencers, all these uh, professionals from all different backgrounds, all different types of companies, webinars, podcasters, um, you know, people striving to, you know, 
uh, build from the ground up a, a, their own grassroots mission, um, whether they're just trying to educate their community or, um, you know, uh, raise funds uh, to build a local farm like mm -hmm. I once struggled to do. Um, you know, we've all, we're, we're all kind of in the same boat and we're all, I feel like we're striving alone. So, mm -hmm. you know, the way, the way I perceive this is that, you know, this is a, a hub, one place, you know, every, all in one place where we can strive better together. I like it. Uh, so what's, what's something, let's say you're in a urban area or you live near an urban area. What is, what are some things that one could do to start trying to get uh, an urban farm going, a farm of, of some kind? Or would you recommend a different path, like trying to do um, some sort oh. of like indoor tower? Where would you go? Well, I mean, there's so many, I've seen so many different, um, it, it, I guess it depends on what people are willing to do and what they're also what their land allows them to do. Um, mm -hmm. Some urban environments have better land for farming soil, uh, you know, on the outskirts or even within the city. Uh, other cities don't. Uh, so you got to work with, and sometimes some climates are better that, you know, allow mm -hmm. for growing a lot more things outdoors, other climates right. don't. Uh, so you really, you don't want to spend money on necessarily on technology that you don't really need. Uh, I would say for, um, urban environments, you know, vertical farming is definitely a good investment, uh, where you have, uh, you know, real bad food insecurity where, you know, uh, you don't really have good land in and around the city and you import a lot of the food, um, you know, that, and so vertical farming makes it easy, um, but it's expensive. And so when mm -hmm. you have, you know, struggling, you know, inner city, uh, you know, communities that really don't have millions of dollars um, and nobody there, you know, is wealthy enough to really start up a, a business that it, it, uh, is that expensive and rarely anybody, you know, anywhere does. You have to really have some good, you know, substantial money to just open up a big vertical farm. Sure. Sustain oneself before you sustain. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the time, you know, the, the power of the individual, in, you know, in these communities to really do things like this is obstructed and they're just kind of waiting for somebody to come in and, you know, build it for them. Um, mm -hmm. Like Jeff Bezos is, you know, was at one point saying, you know, he's going to put a vertical farm in every city. Uh, but and great, you know, but that honestly, uh, that didn't happen. And I knew it wasn't going to happen because mm -hmm. one. <laughs> uh, well, I knew that at least at the time what what they were talking about um, with what they were building, I knew it wasn't going to be as profitable uh, as they were projecting it to be, and it it mm -hmm. ended up not being you know you know it it was kind of but it's a it's a long term project to them, they have one, or it, they might have a couple farms. I know of one uh, in uh, San Francisco, uh, Plenty Inc. Uh, 
they might have a couple others. I just haven't looked into it. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not concerned with the, you know, cause that's not really, um, you know, I I'm powerless to those, you know, and so, so is a lot of people. So, you know, it's what we're, what we're trying to focus on with Striver is, um, helping the smaller guys, you know, kind of get that reach and that impact and that, that leverage to get closer to being able to, uh, achieve bigger goals like this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they can do that by, by having better, uh, I guess, visibility. And, um, that's a start, you know, better visibility and, you know, to have people who really care uh, to be focused and all of a sudden, you know, we can start, you know, pushing for campaigns, uh, to say, you know, let's help raise these guys some money. Let's, you know, and, you know, we're working together, uh, to leverage a lot of these projects so that it can be possible for, um, smaller companies to take advantage of, you know, the local food revolution that mm -hmm. so far has been marketed and, and, you know, I guess hijacked, or I don't know if I should say that, but, um, it's been, uh, more or less, you know, for people with money and, mm -hmm. you know, that it's something, you know, we got to flip the script because we have, you know, collectively, we have a lot of money too. You know, we have a lot of resources. We, we can do a lot. Um, and you know, it's not just, I, I believe we should hold big businesses accountable for making sustainable changes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also believe that we can achieve a lot more collectively together and, and even uh, collectively create and empower smaller businesses to become more successful so that we don't have to uh, rely on just one or two handfuls of, you know, corporations that own every single grocery store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you, you basically, you're kind of saying you can't really just like start like, Hey, let's go build a vertical farm because that there's so much involved and it's so expensive. Um, so the, the, the preliminary steps to that are, are basically getting people organized and, and, and getting, uh, restaurants who are interested in such a thing to come together and say they're interested in it, getting other, like, I guess, local government officials. How, how much does the government actually play a role in this? Well, uh, it can, because people can get grants. Uh, there's, mm. uh, uh, myself, I applied for several grants and never got any. Oh, um, uh, I'm not good. Good, you know, I'm not good at writing grants, I guess. Uh, but, you know, and that's another thing is, you know, those are limited opportunities too. Um, but I eventually did open up a farm. Um, I, you know, it, it had a indoor controlled environment. Uh, farm that was a $50,000 operation that was uh, invested in by a local business owner. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he helped me build it. Uh, that operation is no longer running because it uh, wasn't making enough money to sustain itself yeah. uh, for various reasons. Uh, mainly, you know, I could have proven otherwise, but I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't given enough time. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of, it, it, I felt like it was shut down prematurely. 
and that's uh, just from my experience um things need a little bit longer to i mean seeds need to grow for one uh you know um true <laughs> yeah and I mean, so yeah. It, it's the the way you've done it and the the way that it sounds like it's going to work is by having the restaurants on board now you have someone who's going to buy the the vegetables basically so you have a source of revenue um but one of the things you need to figure out is not not only how to build it and and getting all those people together but how to make sure that its operation is actually profitable because if it's not exactly the same thing will happen to another farm that happened to you it'll just get shut down because it's not making enough yeah. money so you need like some smart it's economics be, people as well to help you set it up it's got to be sustainable and ah <laughs> yeah exactly and that's the point you know you, a lot, it, 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 it comes down to uh you know if you're going to build such a big project like this to create an impact in your community you don't want it to go to waste uh you want it to at least work out you know and but i feel like you know a lot of people uh hit hit a wall you know in uh, getting to that point and mm -hmm. that's why we don't see a lot of uh you know local farms where we have the resources, we have the manpower, we have um, definitely have the ability and the potential, we just, it's not focused. So and the big success stories like uh, Blue Hill Farms, like the five-star Michelin star restaurants that are charging us over yeah. fees and until are able to invest all that money into keeping it sustainable, sustainable ecosystem. Um, but now, I mean, with restaurant closures now, um, going on a year of just completely the the way that people eat has changed oh yeah drastically yeah. and imagine you know all the uh the food waste you know from restaurants stop buying produce you know mm -hmm. um because they're not selling it you know and these farms initially weren't you know uh, prepared to not sell to these restaurants um right you know, you have all this produce now that doesn't get sold. And what happens to that? I mean, does it get donated? Does it go to food banks? I mean, who knows? Do we hear about it? Do they write news about it? I don't know. I don't hear too much about it. That's something you would ideally have figured out beforehand as well. That's another part of the planning process, I guess, now is if we're going to make this vertical farm or any farm for that matter, what do we do if people can't go to a restaurants for over an entire year? Uh, where's the food going to go? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of places that were not properly planned that wish they were. Uh, and I wonder, and, I mean, it's, I wonder how big of a problem it was. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I can try and see if Google has something for us, but surely a lot of food got thrown away and, and this sounds like another way to avoid food waste having the place where the food is being grown uh be local and directly communicating with the restaurants i guess the restaurants already are are ordering tomatoes and potatoes from farms somewhere 
but I would imagine all restaurants are still doing takeout. So, but Mm -hmm. there's still a substantial decrease or decline in, um, you know, sales, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah, but it it would be easier probably to get the right amount of vegetables um, if, if they're just closer to you, because, because if, if, if the farm is really far away, then you need to spend, you, you basically need fewer trips. You want them to bring a lot in one trip and you, and, and that kind of sucks for vegetables because time can afflict some of those, right? So if the farm is just nearby, you could get many, many, um, small orders and, and that should significantly reduce waste. And could also be sustainable in other ways. Like maybe you don't need a a big truck to bring all that stuff. You could have some sort of lo- local, smaller, greener, sustainable vehicle, or, or or even a guy on a bicycle if it's not too much stuff. And the other, or gal. Yeah, the other strength uh, to vertical farms is that they're adaptable pretty quickly. You could uh, grow something different. Um, mm. You know, all of a sudden, if you knew that this product was no longer going to help you gain revenue because this restaurant closed. They're no longer buying your product every week. Um, all right, now I could figure out what else I can grow. Uh, a lot of, you know, you have a quicker turnaround of, you know, being able to do things like that with a vertical farm. Interesting. I never, I never thought about that, but that makes sense. If you have a whole big field that's completely devoted to okra, and then the the one place that you were selling your okra to is like actually we're not doing that anymore. That's a huge undertaking to rectify as opposed to in a vertical farm where, like you said, it's just because it rotate of, crops. You know, technology's making it easier to. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at some pictures of them, and it looks like it would just be much easier. Maybe even to have a machine go from spot to spot and be like goodbye okra, hello carrots. You know, uh. But I wouldn't have known that for sure. I'm really still very ignorant on the reality of vertical farms. But it's something that's very interesting. The The reason I mentioned Cowspiracy before is just because there's an interesting, possibly false <laughs> statistic in the movie where they say that... So they, they go to a farm that has like uh, grass-fed cows that get to wander around and aren't stuck in a building and they get to you know frolic and and have sex and all that good stuff and be cows until it's time to to move on and um that sounds great and all but the 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 number they gave is we would need approximately four and a half earths if we were to get all of the beef we get now from that style of grass-fed free-range beef and that would be four and a half Earths entirely covered in pasture. So no New York City, no Paris, n- none of that. Just cows for four and a half planets. Uh, and, and I feel like so that's that, a stretch. Yeah, and, and either way, even if it's two, even if, it, even if it's one, like we would have to bulldoze the whole of Manhattan. So well, that, as far as the impact of a, a commercial uh, farm, you know, I... Like I can I can sympathize what they're trying to say, I guess, and maybe in error uh, in but what what they're I get that they're trying to say that you know industrial 
livestock farming is not sustainable as you know it's uh it has a this terrible impact on our planet and you know we uh if that's our only way of being able to supply all these fast food restaurants with the you know absurd amount of you know fake you know paste burger meat that uh you know you know it's just like uh, does does a, a sustainable world have, uh, you know, places like McDonald's where you have, you know, patties that are printed on conveyor belts? Um, is that, you know, impossible meat and beyond meat? You know, I mean, well, I mean, uh, what I mean is that, that like these meat products are coming from these industrial cattle farms. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, fake you know, plant, plant-based meat's a whole different, uh, thing. Uh, but you know, in the context of being able to transition from an industrial, uh, economy, like we have with agriculture to a more, you know, open field, um, and you know, we might, we might not, yeah, we might not be able to supply every McDonald's, you know, and every, uh, KFC and every, uh, Wendy's and whatnot. Um, but would we be able to supply people in general, you know, in a healthy way uh, to have access to just, you know, the, a moderate amount of meat, you know, consumption? Like, yeah, I, I think we can easily achieve that with, uh, you know, be able to feed everybody on the planet with sustainable livestock. I think that's absolutely possible. Um, mm -hmm. We will have to make some sacrifices uh, with you know, the overconsumption of it and the abuse and the exploitation of it. But, um, but isn't that a good thing? I mean, mm -hmm. is that what we want? Isn't that the point? Yeah. And this goes back to how as much as doing, a, you know, doing some farming or recycling or whatever is a sustainable thing, just the lifestyle and, and your perspective and all that stuff and, and how you talk to people and how what you eat and how you live your life are very relevant. And, and so the the general acceptance in our culture is another thing that we'll need to sort of shift and, and shifting that is a sustainable thing to do. Um, yeah, the 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 main point of cowspiracy is, is definitely that the industrial agricultural industrial agriculture stuff is is messed up and unsustainable and i i found the four and a half earth thing very interesting because it, it's also saying that you know the quote good way unquote to have beef is also unsustainable because of um real estate and the fact that we have a finite amount of space and yeah I mean, so that's... You, what does that mean? It's so abstract. I mean, it's so trivial because uh, it's economics and people want to use that space for cattle. So what else are they using it for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if they choose to, I mean, that's... It, it, it less would... and less space. So, yeah, we, we, could, we could definitely solve the, the beef problem, quote unquote, by changing everybody's mind, which is obviously an extremely difficult thing to do. But that would work for now. But the reason I think so the 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 this 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 is what inspired my cow pyramid idea, the vertical farm of cows, 
Um, also because I really like beef and I want to keep eating beef and I think it's pretty healthy if it's grass fed. Um, even if we could convince everybody to change their mind now and, and eat less beef and not go to McDonald's as much, we're not decreasing in number. The number of, of people isn't going down and the number of people that want to eat beef definitely isn't going down. There's plenty of data that shows as countries get more industrialized and more modernized, however you want to phrase it, they start to eat more meat. And so the problem, does, you know, given enough time, we're going to run out of space. People are going to build more houses. People are going to build more office buildings, more factories to make future technology. The, the, well, by that the land, logic, we're going to run out of space for just ourselves for everything, not just it, cattle. We're just going to run out of space. And yes. uh, I mean, if that's, uh, I mean, isn't that, I mean, that's why we're getting to space travel. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I do see a lot of the, uh, the objections to investing, you know, a lot of money into space travel. I think that's fine though. Uh, me personally, I don't have any thing against investing in space travel and, and pioneering new planets because I'm a mm -hmm. big Star Trek fan. Um, and I think sustainability and Star Trek go hand in hand. Uh, but that's just me. You know, a lot of people just are more about what's going on on earth, you know, and I'm about that too, because practically, uh, I'm, I'm not, there's nobody on Mars right now that I can help. Uh, so that's not in my concern. There's people on earth that need help. And those are, you know, it's at least we can also focus on that, you know? Um, and so that's, you know, uh, where, where did this start? Where was the original thought? Well, what I'm, I'm basically saying is, oh yeah. Trying to feed the world with, yeah, uh, inevitably. Yeah. Inevitably, you'll, you'll, um, you'll face a space problem, and so I think that no matter how you s split it, vertical farming is is going to be a necessary part of the evolution of our species and our culture and, and how we live on this planet. Because no matter absolutely. what, space saving, we're going to get there eventually. Yeah, anything to do with uh, being able to achieve more in less space, um, and to do more with less resources. Yes. Um, you know, that's, I think, you know, uh, the epitome of sustainability, um, you know, because it helps us maintain, it helps us to not uh, indulge. Mm -hmm. uh, I think indulgence and greed and a lot of the, the negative qualities of our human nature that lead to the destruction of the environment and, you know, uh, the exploitation of people and, and unsustainable civilizations ultimately is, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, so we can get creative with our solutions going forward. Like sure. Like following mandates from eight government agencies and worldwide agencies about, I guess, mission you, know, you know, it was one thing, but you know, getting, like, I mean, I've flown across the country. I've seen how much space there is in Utah, you know, it's desert space that can be used to harness solar energy. And you know, I, I think that, you know, we might have a chance, you know, at, at really changing, you know, using what we have available, which is a lot, as we run out of space, 
just rethink this space. And just kind of constantly reevaluating. Mm-hmm. And who, who knows what the world is really going to look like. We're, we're dealing with it as, as we go. It's changing. Right. Yeah, I, I, another thing that I like about... So you mentioned how you know making a profit and successfully marketing are relevant things to achieving sustainability. Uh, it's, it's not just figuring out the technology and planting the plants, but also some financial sustainability as well. Um, and if you can get the big companies on your side, and if you can get the society on your side, that's going to help you out in achieving your sustainable plan. So I, uh, if, if, you know, one sustainable plan could be to try and convince everyone to stop eating meat, but I don't, there's, there's a bunch of money that you won't get (laughs) trying to do that. Like McDonald's is not going to want to promote that. However, if your plan is to solve the meat problem and, and find a way to make it so that everybody still gets to eat just as much beef as they want still but it's sustainable now, you might get way more support for that plan. So that's another thing I think is interesting about it, is some way or another we got to stop doing the cows that we're doing right now, and, um, you know, figuring out this uh, solution might be more realistic simply because people will be more into it, and the the companies that already have all the money would be more into it, you know? It's almost a little lame, but if it if it works, you know, if it gets this sustainability, you know, two thumbs up. Yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll work with McDonald's if 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 they'll actually legitimately try and make things sustainable. You know, I don't care what they've done in the past. If they're going to help now, that's good. McDonald's to have enough to contribute. Absolutely, companies, you know, are just people, and people change, and. Uh, Companies obviously evolve over time and adapt to new demands and trends, and especially you know uh, when it comes down to something as necessary as uh, sustainability. I mean, uh, it's hard to argue with. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, honestly, I don't. I try to follow the path of least resistance. I try yes. not to make enemies because you know. Uh, I mean, people will make enemies out of you and can only do so much. Uh, but, you know, if you yourself try to find as many partnerships as you can, um, try to help as many people as you can, you know, you'll be successful. Your your mission will succeed um, no matter what. So, you know. Change always meets resistance. Any any sort of change worth fighting for, aggressive for it. Yeah, and uh, have you ever heard of a guy called uh wait I had his name Caleb Harper. No. So um, this guy did a TED talk many years ago about indoor farming, and it was pretty compelling. He basically has uh. Like a, a big metal rack on wheels that has different plants growing in it, and uh, wires connected to the soil that the plants are in that are somehow detecting the chemical um, makeup of the soil, and also the how how moist it is. 
So there's a com- and then it's all connected to a computer. So a computer would show like eight little squares that each represents a different plant, and on each square it shows how much nitrogen is in the soil, how much H2O is in the soil, uh, and uh, then you pH. Could, yeah the pH the acidity absolutely, and then you could program the computer to there's also tubes um, connected to these little uh, plants uh, to the soil that can send nitrogen or send water or ch- send something to change send nutrients the... nutrients that they're So you could program it to automate and automat- automate farming. And when one plant needs one thing, the computer just gives it to it. And you don't actually have Conserve to... Conserve resources. And yeah, that's... Yeah, Sounds really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Have you ever heard of anything like that? I mean, there's a, a lot of automated systems in uh, vertical farming and that's okay. kind of the 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 direction it takes uh because the the more the less manual input you can put into it the better um and it, only because of the sheer scale of it and the cost of because you're you're going from being able to use, I mean, think about it. You're, you're going from being able to use like a giant tractor and a giant planter and a giant harvester that can cover thousands of acres mm-hmm. um, to not, you know, to being able to, to having all to do all that like scalability wise by hand. And so you definitely um, want mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, reduce as much manual labor as possible because that's also labor input, labor cost, uh, which is huge in vertical farming. So uh, there, you know, robotics, automated systems, uh, that's all very common. So uh, I'm, it would, would that tube idea work? Do you, do you, have you ever heard of that being actually implemented where, there are tubes leading to the plants computer, that computer is sending it, or is there like a robot walking around with a watering can? Oh, no, like there's actual sensors that generate automations, you know, that, that say the pH is low or the nutrients are low and needs um, add or, you know, up, you know, add or decrease pH. Um, and then how, so, did, how did the nutrients get there, though? via some uh conduit okay you know um you know a tube uh you know just a feeder of sorts okay not not uh, the iron giant walking around with a bag of fertilizer <laughs> no, i mean if that's your style go with it i mean if you want to build a giant robot to you know farm you know do it that'd be cool Probably there's something in uh you ever really play Sorry, you ever play Chrono Trigger? No. It's um it's an old PlayStation and and uh NES game or SNES and there's a robot character named Robo and you travel through time and there's a forest that gets burnt down and destroyed by this evil army of demons. And uh all the people are very upset and and it's and all the animals are dead and it's just this really horrible situation. And it's it's in the game. It's 600 A.D. when this has happened, and you can travel 400 years ahead to 1000 A.D. You can't stop anywhere in between. 
And uh, if you go to 1080, it's it's just a big old desert with horrible monsters wandering around because there's nothing there to hold the soil together. Um, what you can do is if you go to a special location, Robo will volunteer to stay and farm the land in 600 AD, and you come pick him up in 1000 AD. 400 so this one robot, it's only one robot in a huge space, but he's working non-stop 24-7 for 400 years, and well, he restarts the entire, the entire that's forest. That's a real striver. That's a real striver right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, that's if that if there's a symbol like a, a character a, a mascot of Striver, it would be him. That, that, that thing, Robo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Robo's Robo's the man. Ironically, and when when you come back, uh, when you go back to the future, in 1000 AD, you find this tree with this. He's he's been like rusted and and, and basically stuck to the tree, and he's sort of deactivated but luca the scientist is able to revive him but he he, he saves the whole goddamn forest Sick. yeah I, I, another thing you mentioned that i think is is part of the very very general problem of solving global warming or climate change or, or however you want to look at how human beings might run into trouble in 5, 10, 15, 25 years, um, is that it isn't necessarily being regarded as something that is needed. You know, to, to you, uh, it is obvious that without increasing how sustainable we live, we're fucked. <laughs> but I think a lot of people don't really know that that's true. Uh, so another thing is just awareness. I think you'd be surprised, though, um, how many people really do, but are just powerless. Ah. Like, for instance, um, you know, we underestimate people a lot. We underestimate especially poor communities. And But when poor communities, you know, they, they uh, time and time again prove that they know the same things. And when they get together to, to create, you know, some collective action to achieve something they can they can do the same things that anyone else can mm. um and they can do it with the same uh conscience the same passion the same you know level of energy and and you know impact uh but you know like i said before a lot of time it just comes down to the the resources that bring people ahead and you know are competing with you know the people who don't have the resources so i mean are the people who have the resources to to push themselves further ahead um you know they are you know kind of walking over you know th these smaller economies and mm -hmm. you know we you know so that's um but they they do know you know because they do know what impact they can make if, if they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Companies kind of get to operate as though it's not true. That's another problem is that they can sort of pretend that sustainability is not something we need and continue. You mentioned indulgence. That's one of the, another way to look at 
the sort of the core of the problem. All of these companies, capitalism, it's all it all wants indulgent people. You know, you, you if you are selling a product, you want someone who buys ten of it. <laughs> you know, you don't want someone who buys one of it. You don't want someone who's sustainable. <laughs> you want unsustainable consumers. And so if that's where the money is, that's what winds up happening, right? And that's right. sort of how we're in the spot we're in. Turning it around is definitely a huge undertaking because there's so much infrastructure built on people being indulgent. Right. Well, it's also, too, because, uh, you know, a lot of the times indulgence is just a matter of what's available to you and what this, you know, stress factors are in the environment that are causing you to just be stuck in this repeated cycle uh, mm -hmm. of hopelessness and desperation. And, um, you know, I've seen it and, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, you can't blame them. Uh, but what, what can you do to, to flip that script, you know, to build some, to help build some inspiration to where people realize that they don't have to continue in that cycle that mm -hmm. there's, you know, something else, um, because in the face of everything, you know, we live in these, you know, uh, deteriorating societies and towns and cities sometimes where, uh, people just, you know, there's no, real option, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. they're just, it's a waiting game that people are waiting. Uh, they don't know what to do. Uh, there's people who do, uh, there's ideas out there. There's resources. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like it's, there's so much we can do if we just put our minds together, if we focus it all in one area, um, collectively and, and, you know, so striver is really just mm -hmm. that, you know, it's that, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, you know, just trying to achieve that goal. Um, we can do that by putting everything, you know, in one place, uh, because the attention that, you know, the attention that it gets is, is what's important, you know, to have, for instance, a, like an army, you know, of people who can donate to a certain cause you know, you know, that, that shows up on, you know, Striver, they say, you know, it's like, but, you know, it's because it's, that's where the focus is, you know, to have an app like Spotify, where everybody's listening to one song, you know, on Spotify, mm. you know, or Apple music, you know, um, it's that kind of, you know, it's putting all that attention in one space for one, for a certain concept. Yeah, um, never really we get anywhere. Really... Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I actually had nothing to say. Could you continue? <laughs> oh, I was saying we can really make a huge impact that way. I mean, it's, it's been known. I mean, we know we can do this. We know what it means um, or what our potential is, uh, you know, for a thousand people to donate a dollar you know, versus mm -hmm. one person to try to come up with a thousand dollars. So it's just a really just building on those concepts. It's sort of like the GameStop thing in a way where 
despite how much money these bigger organizations were were putting in everybody came together the masses came together and were able to claim victory yeah uh, well, look at yeah easily it's a good example yeah um and yeah building inspiration that's you know just as important as building the farms right you know no one's going to take care of them or make them happen what motivates you, you to become more sustainable Sure, it's it's one thing to have this ultimate goal that's not that it is immediate and pressing, but not so not like measurably so. Yeah, you know of the world. And to also know that you're not alone. You're not the only one going to that gas station every day getting a an energy drink. Um, who's depressed? Who doesn't you know know how to farm or plant a seed? Uh, you're not the only one. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't get out of that situation and, and be more sustainable, be more healthy. Um, and how to do that is, is, you know, a matter of being able to be inspired by other people sometimes. Yeah. Navigate the website, learn from other people, engage with other people, share your story. We all come from, you know, I think that's another thing too, is people think maybe that they might in the back of their minds know that the world is not sustainable but they don't mm -hmm. they don't really know how to so, do anything differently um mm -hmm. and as far as scope of their things and they think oh well it's the big businesses that are responsible and you know we're, we're just the victims um but it shouldn't be like that you know mm -hmm. i mean the big businesses are responsible but so are we we're we can equally achieve we can we can actually make things a lot better for ourselves and we can piss off a lot of evil corporations if we just you know put our heads together yeah we we've got the resources we just need to organize yeah and there's learning learning plants just using plants as teachers is another thing that's been a thread that's been uh threat i mean the past few years of my life um just understanding that plants are there to help save the earth, you know, whether or not we let them, you know, they're going to continue to work in a predictable way and just creating the space for them to, to do what they're supposed to, which is provide for us, provide for the earth. You know, I, I do, yeah. see, I do see hope and, and then extra exoplant or, you know, exo farms or outside of earth. Um, Mm -hmm. real real interesting possibility with you know SpaceX now being built being uh, built up and you know why not try these things you know that seem like science fiction you know <laughs> water on Mars you know this mm -hmm. is this is the generation to start to take the next steps towards that crazy solution that might just help enough might be the only way absolutely i think we need to be bold i think together uh we're learning how to be bolder too as individuals and, and make take greater steps ourselves um because i think you know our, our generation specifically has a lot more entrepreneurs a lot more people who are trying to you know do things independently um fo let's focus that energy you know it's we understand you know, uh, a lot of things already conscientiously, um, you know, 
a lot of the changes that are happening in society, a lot of the things that, you know, we can achieve now that we have more energy that we're putting into it indi individually um, to achieve greater causes. Mm -hmm. How the Trump's yeah. limits on <laughs> environmental programs have been lifted. It's like, wow, we can see you move forward again. Yeah, the the entrepreneur thing is interesting. That's that's pretty new. The the landscape of potential employees and potential employers is pretty different from previous times in in history, and and, and it is becoming more decentralized, like you said, and and separated from each other, which has its advantages. But yeah, not, the more and more so, the challenge is is getting everybody to focus their energy and and to to pick a target all at once and hit it. Right. And the, the, it's not impossible. We have the internet. We just need to find a way to do it. Um, but it it doesn't seem unrealistic. And and right. as far as technology goes. And and farms and plants, you know, and appreciating plants, people sometimes, you know, there's, there's the question, hypothetically, maybe, what if there was some machine that converted carbon dioxide into oxygen? It's like, there is. It's called a tree. <laughs> we already have those. We just keep destroying no, them. Too far, too far ahead. We can't see what's in front of us. Yeah. We, we tend to overcomplicate things, and... I think that's the intimidation factor too, is we think things are going to have to be more complicated than we're afraid to take any actions until, you know, there's some level of like, you know, permission that says, yeah, you can do that. But no, well, this is urgent. No. We, we need to take our own risks. You know, we need to take actions. Even honestly, even I don't agree with everything. Um, you know, Jeff Bezos says and does, but, you know, he said, move fast and break things. And uh, in a sense, that's kind of what, you know, just let's try to get to the goal. Let's not be too prideful um, mm -hmm. about anything in the short term. And let's look at the long term goal. Um, move fast, achieve the future, you know, break things in the meantime. It's fine to break things. Especially if they're not working. <laughs> yeah. This is true. And Greg, you're you're doing some farming yourself, aren't you? Yes, I finally started. Um, I finally received permission from the New York State government. <laughs> it's a weeds legal. So I start. I got a grow tent, and I'm using this company, Vivo Sun. And I, I have a small little, um, just square, like four by four square. It's five feet tall. And it's, um, I just have these lights and I have a setting up a carbon filter and maybe the next episode will be fully set up, but I have two little clones that I'm looking forward to, to finally tending and working with, you know, I've been a user and following marijuana since college, you know, it's been 10 years and now that I'm finally able to grow in my apartment, it's kind of unbelievable that, I mean, technology advanced so quickly to such a specific task, like mm -hmm. growing weed, you know. It's like, it's down to an art by now. 
you know, P, you know, keeping the pH the right temperature and, you know, all the, the ways to measure that, to have the lighting set up, wattage, the certain, the frequencies of the light bulbs are set up perfectly for the best grow, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the channel must power through, you know, it's, it's almost an afterthought if it will grow at this point. So, I mean, that's exciting for me living in New York. But isn't it I've, fun to learn? Oh yeah. And I mean, all, that, from the all that new stuff just for for indoor growing imagine all the new things involved i mean it, it's fun it's fun to learn i think a lot of people are starting to realize that too just with even growing uh anything yeah this could be one of the many steps that gets us towards more farming is the legalization of marijuana you know if, if you there's plenty <laughs> of people it's a farm that you, in my bedroom have a yeah. bedroom farm <laughs> and what's the next step? You know, it's the gateway drug to growing tomatoes. Exactly. You're not going to, you might not be able to convince, you know, random schmo on the, the street that he needs to buy some, some window apparatus to grow tomatoes. But if you say, well, actually, you can grow weed on it too. He's like, I'm in. You know, like, give me, give me five. You know, uh, that, that could help a lot too. It's, you know, you know once you start growing things, might want to experiment with growing food. Be like, oh yeah, have yeah. you know? Oh yeah, have um, the herbs next to it. I create a nice yeah. environment for it. The gateway drug yeah. to tomatoes. I like that. <laughs> Broccoli. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Well, I do say if you can grow weed, you can grow tomatoes. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll quote you on that. That is very exciting. Do you have any um, indoor farming stuff in your own home? Is that something you think is like worth doing? I used to. I, I used to have a uh, quite a lot, quite a bit, but it's all uh, it's all been, I guess, uh, in a sense, um, contracted under somebody else. Okay. You know, so it's because uh, all that move. stuff is in Indiana. All the urban, or I mean, all the um, you know, like the urban agriculture resources that I had. Uh, we're all kind of in one place under a business uh, that I, you know, contra- I, I signed over to somebody else because it wasn't uh, working out. Okay. Now in, Port- in Portland yeah. from Indiana, must have been a huge jump that you made right at the beginning of quarantine, yeah. I remember. And uh, <laughs> like it was just, it was such an unbelievable time to be changing. You know, it's like you faced the, <laughs> you faced the unknown in the, the American uh, tundra and relocated, brought your cat. And, I mean, you, you saw, I mean, there's been a police presence, a police protester struggle. Maybe that might be the, the most talked about place in the United States in terms of protesters and police interacting. And um, I saw signs. It seemed like every business in the area was was advocating for Black Lives Matter. Um but I was talking with you and a friend yesterday, Josh, my, our friend Josh, yesterday, and you said there was a protest going on. I mean, it seems kind of ridiculous you know, that these things are still going on. There. I think every night, every night since, uh, I don't think there's been a day without a protest. Wow. Is this, yeah, is this because of the person who was, quote, accidentally shot, unquote, the, the, the officer who had the I taser? Think- that was definitely the catalyst for the consistency of the protests now, but the 
prior to then, Portland was also a hotbed for riots and protests. Uh, anyway, so I mean, it, it was just, you know, the reason we have it's escalated here is because it was already a problem. Okay. Damn. And protesting is better than. Well, I mean, not... I'm not saying protesting's the problem. I'm saying, I mean, rioting and breaking things is not fun, but. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I definitely, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see how I'm going to change the world being in jail. So I try not to do things that'll get me in jail. So, right. Uh, but that's just me. You know, if somebody wants to do that, I'm not going to get in their way because it's just life is a jungle. You know, it's, you don't want to get in everybody's way. You just try to do what you think is the right thing to do. You try. Um, and I wanted to clarify we, we, I mentioned Caleb Harper before and the system that he was working on for the indoor garden, which is apparently very similar to something that is implemented in actual vertical farms right now. It turned out he was kind of a fraud. Uh, so don't... Who? What? Caleb Harper. Caleb. Oh, okay. He was apparently... So uh, the, um, in preparation to this conversation, I wanted to look up this... TED Talk I had seen over five years ago. Hadn't seen it for a while. I tried to find it on YouTube. It's not there. Why Why would a TED Talk be hard to find? That doesn't make any sense. I kept looking, I kept looking, and what I eventually found were articles talking about how he was um, blowing up data, and he was he was saying that it was working better than it actually was, and, and like intentionally only showing certain parts of the, the, the farm he was working on because those were working out and not showing the ones that weren't working and things of that nature basically being disingenuous about how effective his whole setup was to get more money and more support um so be careful about listening to that guy yeah (laughs) everybody sounds sounds pretty typical but back to you know (laughs) uh you know, when I came from uh, Indiana to, to Portland, I definitely did not know what to expect. Uh, but it was, you know, humbling and enlightening because I realized, you know, the large scale systemic issues that I was already quite aware of are in like full blast here, you know, like full, uh, full swing, uh, complete chaos. Um, and it's that to me though is is a ripe opportunity uh, to introduce a solution. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of people working on solutions, but I think um, politics-wise, you have a lot of people just fighting, you know, and you you have people fighting because they, you know, uh, obviously, you know people disagree on on ethics of things but and interests yeah mm. uh to me i've always looked at the root of the issue if if you're having protests and and people are rioting that's you know obviously something's wrong with the society the economy not the people uh because the people are reacting to a large scale a larger scale systemic you know oppression that we're all quite aware of, uh, and that's always, that's been throughout history, what people do, uh, when, um, things like that happen. I mean, that's, 
Mm -hmm. We're not new to this concept. So I mean, why are we surprised? Uh, it, it's just a signal, you know, it says we fucked up again. We need to uh, fix our economy. Um, we need to, um, you know, help give back, you know, like, like what I'm talking about, you know, help build opportunities for people and, and stop, you know, uh, giving all the money to corporations, you know, it's just, uh, it's flipped the script, you know, every, everything, everything trending and everything, um, about innovation is always, is always, uh, always helping, um, not enough people, you know, in my opinion, you know, we mm -hmm. need to, we need to start helping more people with, with our resources. Definitely. And just by looking at our, our own lives and seeing how we can make the most of our resources and find, you know, most efficient ways of obtaining and, and finding, you know, reusing, I mean, I reuse plastic containers and it's hard to know when it's being crazy, like when I'm being a crazy Virgo or, but, um, no, I mean, constant making it fun. You know, I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about. If it's if it's fun, then you're gonna to want to keep doing it, and being aware of it, and having having it where in a group community where it's uh, everyday practice of many people's lives. It doesn't seem like such a big deal to add to your sustainability <laughs> budget or yeah. Yeah. Uh, one one thing thought I just had. Uh, I was thinking, is this one of the things that can help? people and help economies is more jobs. Um, and I would imagine that not only would you create jobs by creating a vertical farm, but it would kind of, it would be maybe um, an interesting overlap of needing to know about biology and farming and, and, and things like that. And then also, um, computer science and other like STEM stuff, maybe more of a, a a STEM job scene than like a normal farm would be. Like in comparison, does that sound right at all? How, how do you look at vertical uh, yeah. farms on jobs? Well, yeah, I think vertical farms um, are going to be a huge, potentially a huge source of employment uh, coming going forward. Okay. Um, I mean it's. You can do a, a a lot with you know very little people, but it doesn't mean that you, you can't create a lot of opportunities uh, in vertical farming. It's like it's you know you're not just going to have people planting seeds and harvesting. You're going to have scientists. You're going to have um, data scientists, all the way to plant scientists to uh, technicians and engineers, and I mean all you know just um, it's going to be a new industry. Uh, full of a lot of different, you know, involved disciplines. So, yeah. um, it's definitely, Man. you know, yeah. That sounds amazing for the economy is, is, you know, I think as time passes, uh, welcome home, baby. My lovely fiance has arrived. And I think what's also important is that you have a lot more producers, a lot more independent uh, producers, a lot more people with independent skills that they can apply uh, to build their own living. Hi there. Uh, <laughs> That's Sarah. She says hi. <laughs> One day there will be maybe, you know, giant pyramids that are farms that you know, 
someone walks up to and they press like the tomato panel and then it, you know, presents them with freshly, you know, harvested tomatoes and like, not, I mean, but I don't trust our government to build something that, <laughs> that well organized and, you know, what's needed to actually bring the future, you know, the possibility. It's going to yeah. be just smaller companies and as long as they're all moving in a similar direction together, then it won't matter that Monsanto or big companies like that have control of the space and the infrastructure already. Mm-hmm. And I, I suspect that as time passes, and this is already happening, the amount of people that are educated for some sort of STEM job is going to increase relative to the whole population. So the number of jobs that are for STEM people is we will want that to keep going up. So if we can start finding ways to move jobs out of not STEM and into STEM, that could also be an important thing for sustainability. Absolutely. Very cool. I I think we definitely have plenty more episodes in us, uh, but we should probably yeah. call it now. I did want to yeah. run back to one thing, um, which I you you had mentioned this, Austin, um, how when a problem is so vast and so complicated, and there's so many moving parts that affect each other, that it can prevent people from even trying to do anything about it. Right. I, I think of things like the economy, like I think, you know, uh, it's it's trying to figure out anything about economics and investing and all that stuff is very intimidating when you haven't looked at it yet because there's so many things that affect so many other things. This is very similar. The environment, so many moving parts. Um, what? Uh, so visiting um, for now... Um, streamer, and in the near... F- how, how soon is Striver happening? Oh, it's uh, definitely the goal. Uh, mo- most definitely is going to be uh, changed by mid-May. Okay, so pretty damn soon. It'll be Striver.com. Yeah. So besides visiting those sites and visiting uh, Sustainable Living Facebook group, not page... Uh, do you have any other tips for people that they could do on like an individual basis? I'd say if you're uh, looking to make your first steps into sustainability, there's no better place than to ask our Facebook group for advice. Because mm. you'll get 500 answers from all over the world. So basically come in and say, I, you know, this is my situation. These are my options and these are my interests. You'll what, have... what do you do? You'll probably have all your solutions in, given to you on a silver platter. It, that's how our group works. That sounds very handy. Instead of needing to do all that research, that makes it way less intimidating. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And more engaging. When you, when you find a community of more people like you who can help you and who are willing to actually take their time to help you, it it's... I think that's a lot of the thing is people think that maybe they're not good enough for other people's time. Mm. Uh, they, uh, possibly people might not feel like they, they should bother, you know, other people. Uh, that's the thing though, is a lot of people really want to help other people. And that when, when people learn that and see that uh, people are really wanting to give their time to help improve their lives, 
um, that's a huge thing about our group is people realize right away that there's so many people who are, are just so eager to help. That's wonderful. Well, we look forward to connecting with more of that community and uh, see how we align with, the, with that forward motion. Yeah, we'll, we'll be sure to put up links to all of these things along with the episode, so awesome. you can check it out out there. Uh, is there anything else you would like to plug, Austin? Uh, that's all right. Well, I Y'all, think we should tie it up. All plugged out and plugged in. Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Yeah, lots of Asians have been being attacked lately in uh, in, in the yeah. Bronx and in the city. It's like so absurd. I can't believe this stuff is even happening. But that's the last thing I wanted to mention. Otherwise, have a happy May, everyone. Yes. Thank you for joining us in the fort. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and all that jazz. Definitely let us know if you have any questions, and we'll be very happy to do our best to answer them. We might even give you an answer that isn't really stupid. Um, and if we, if you got any criticisms, if we did anything wrong, if we got anything wrong, please let us know, as always. And yeah, we'll catch you next time in the fort, everybody. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>